Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Chelsea Podcast. It's me again, Andy Saunders. Kerry Levy is stuck in Ireland, apparently. Ophelia. He's, he's got uh, bad wind, I think. He's got terrible wind, <laughs> yeah. Um, so IBS is playing up. So uh, we're recording this on Wednesday evening, a couple of hours before Chelsea versus Roma. Uh, and Kerry can't go, apparently, because he's uh, he's been stuck over there. So with me tonight to um, fill the massive void that is Kerry is a good friend of the show, uh, regular uh, fifth Beatle It's uh, Gary Hayes The best looking Beatle <laughs> <laughs> Not even the best drummer in the Beatles um, And to my right uh, Superstar DJ Sebastian Fontaine How are you? I'm good, really good Do people call you Sebastian or is it always Seb? Only when I'm really naughty Does your mum call you My Sebastian? brother's yeah. name's Sebastian yeah. Is it? Yeah, but were you giving it for any reason? Um, well, my dad's French Ah, oh, right, okay, well, Fontaine. But because uh, my brother was named after a, a Cockney Rebel song, Sebastian. Oh, I didn't know and that. Apparently, it's really. I've never even heard that song. Apparently, it's appalling. My dad loved Cockney Rebel, and um, yeah, my brother's always. Well, there's complains. only one Cockney Rebel song, isn't there? Come up and see me sometime. There isn't. There aren't any other Cockney Rebel. Well, songs. apparently so. There's two now. Right. And you know, um, Fontaine's interesting because you know, have you ever heard of Frankie Fontaine? Yeah. Who was the guy that was abducted by aliens? That the super furry animals. Um, oh, really? Super I, furry I, animals wrote a song about. Okay. Um, on their first album, and he was abducted by aliens. Apparently. Well, I, I went on uh, Facebook the other. There's hundreds of Seb Fontaines. I'm quite upset. Actually, right. oh, okay. I thought I had quite a unique name. There's millions of the bastards right. in France. So shouldn't it be Sebastien or something? Yeah, yeah or? Should, well, yeah, it yeah. is. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, that's all the that's all the, that's all the names done. It's a it's a, it's a tight trio uh, this evening, and we're, we're keeping our peckers up, aren't we? Really, but there's a little bit of sadness tinged with all this because the last couple of games haven't been that good, have they, Gary? No, they haven't. Um, obviously, we spoke about the City game already, but then it's, it's strange because we, we thought the, the Palace game would be well, certainly winnable, but then it was, I was chatting about it midweek, and I started getting a bit pessimistic with people I knew, and I thought. 
yeah, and, and doing a lot of NFL at the moment, I'm starting to get used to their terminology, and I was like, this is a trap game. A so trap that, game? Yeah. What just, does that mean? A game that you're meant to win and you don't. Could ah. send you down and, a snake. Yeah, and I just looked and I thought, I know we were a bit, you know, um, boy, um, I don't know, yeah, we, we were just coating off uh, Palace in the last game, in the last pod, weren't we, where we were just basically just, just dismissing them. But the more I thought about it, I just thought, you know, this run's got to come to an end at some point. And you get to that psychological stage as a sportsman where they've got all the pressure on them at the first, you know, the, the first few games of the season because they want to start the season well. And then, you know, they're not getting anything. They come into the City and United games not expecting it. And then they have this two-week break. Sack their manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and so, so much goes on, but you think it's going to end at some point. Well, they've gone 640 minutes in the league without scoring from the start of the season. And in fact, um, 731 minutes without a goal since the end of last season. Incredible. So if ever there was a gimme, if there ever was a absolute <laughs> must-win game, not even bother showing up game, it was Palace, and wasn't it, it? And it wasn't even a fluke. I mean, they looked they looked really good against us. Well, I think... Well, the difference was Zaha. Well, I was yeah, going to say, was incredible. he hasn't... It's his first game back, isn't it? From, yeah, he went off at half time, didn't he, against Huddersfield? That's, that's right. his first game back. And he, like, the, the way I'm surprised um, he hasn't had enough praise for that goal because not only is it a good finish, but that first touch of taking between the two defenders, like with the outside of his boot, it's almost he almost toe pokes it through actually. And well, let, let's come back and talk about the goals. I think you're right. Saha was a was a, a really um, important factor. But let's look at the Chelsea team first. Courtois in goal, a back three of um, Azpilicueta, Luis, and Cahill, Moses who limped off after 40 minutes to be replaced by Zappa Costa and Alonso uh, as the fullbacks. Fabregas and Bakayoko paired uh, in midfield with uh, William Batshuayi and Hazard up front. And on paper, you look at that team and you think, that should be enough. That you know, that's a team that be, should be able to, to do the business. The whole thing was a bit limp, wasn't it? <laughs> but you know, from minute one, I mean, I was at the game, and from minute one, it just felt like we weren't at the races. And you know, it looked that way. On I've, I've watched it back on Chelsea TV, and I've watched the highlights on on Match of the Day, and it just looked that way. It just looked a really flat-footed. They got after us from minute one. I mean, yeah. they they got straight into. I think us maybe they weren't expecting time. that. I, I don't no. know, but just they just didn't seem at the races and. And when you come up against these sides, if you're not, as Arsenal will find out a lot, that they, they can get at you and then get points out of you. And that's what happened. It was a very un, very un-Chelsea-like performance, wasn't it? I got a, uh, a text off of my son at half-time and the text just said, Kante FC. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the idea The Ngolo Kante team. Well, you know, and you look at what they did in our midfield. I mean, we just didn't compete in the midfield at all. I mean, Fabregas, we know, I think he was probably our best player. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I thought he played well. He gave the ball away a few times, but he actually won it a few times. But he's not going to, you know, destroy... Well, you look at the first goal, he's out of position for yeah, that goal. He and he's chasing shadows with he goodbye. Is. And I think he is. The second think... half, I think he, he really he really took the game to them. And also, Bakayoko, you know, I don't think he's quite, quite... The there yet um, and so we just didn't compete in midfield at all yeah I, I think of it is that no I'm not trying to to say Kante isn't a valid you know valuable player but I think it's more playing Sesk in that too because what you saw then well, we've is always said it haven't we Gary the, yeah. and, and it's the problems that we had in uh, 2015 when you know the proverbial hit the fan then under Jose and um, we were losing matches because teams were flooding the midfield they were targeting Fabregas they were isolating him and, and Palace did a good job of doing that um, and I think what helped them as well is they had a week of knowing that Kante wouldn't play. So they almost predicted that Fabregas would play, so it gave them time to work on it. And I think that once Drinkwater's fit, that you'd have those three solid uh, midfielders that will allow Fabregas to play in a three-man midfield rather than a rather than a two. And what's happening with Drinkwater? I hear he's out for yet more time now, for yeah, another three that, or four weeks. It's a calf injury now, isn't it? Yeah. It's like one of those... 
cliched working a bit too hard since he signed for his new club, but he's carrying that groin injury and it's obviously, you know, impacted him elsewhere, which is a shame because I've been pretty excited to see him see him line up for us. The thing that really struck me about the Palace game was how easily we were muscled off the ball. Mm. So many times. William, who, who I'd really love, this is not a William dig, but he was constantly, absolutely muscled off the ball by players that really shouldn't be muscling anyone off the ball. You know, we seem to have lost a little bit of our strength. You know, we, I, I mean, it, it's very easy to look at a bad game and play, you know, everything. But it really did seem that we were just very lightweight on the weekend. It did. And, I, you know, there were a couple of... I thought, you know, you've got to give credit to Palace. Credit where credit's due. I think mm. Townsend played very well. He was a constant threat. Zaha, we've already mentioned. You know, that pace through the middle with those two? Kabai. I mean, they, you know, this was a, you know, a, a decent team on paper. They shouldn't be where they are, really. I mean, they've got... I mean, they haven't got any strikers, really. You know, that's, that's the only issue. But, yeah, I think but generally, they're OK. I think it was better for them that Benteke wasn't playing because... It gave him a bit more fluidity, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and front? it gave these these two attackers that are more nimble with their feet, whereas before they've been trying to plant the ball up to Benteke, get him to challenge defenders. And for David Luiz, Kate and Cahill especially, that's just their meat and drink. The Chels is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Bet £5, get £20. If you deposit £5, Ladbrokes will add another £20 to your account. You can get this offer by following the link at bet.chelseapodcast.net. We've talked about how um, the Fabregas-Bakiaka thing didn't didn't really work, but let, let's talk, and we're not going to individual player blame because we don't do that on this show, um, but we can be critical of players and we can look and reflect on players' performances. Let's look at that front three of William, Batshuayi and Hazard, none of whom really turned up. And the one, the one real concern for me was Batshuayi, you know, who... That's an opportunity for him to start a game in the Premier League with uh, Morata on the sidelines... And he didn't take it, did he? At all. Seems to struggle against better opposition. You know, he's all very well in the cup. It's palace. Uh, yeah, but they were good. They were good on the day. I mean, you, we 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 saw them. They were better than us on but the day. Will be it wasn't better, a fluke. But there will be better opposition than but that. He struggles to open teams up. The movement is the problem. It's not his scoring. It's not his shots on goal. It's his movement. He doesn't do it. No, no, he he's always like late it. into the area. Yeah. He, you know, he needs to be making that movement. Bef- you know, as the ball's kicked, not you know, not two seconds later. What do we do? Really, what do we do with a problem like Batshuayi Well, it was interesting what they did on Match of the Day because it was... I didn't watch Match of the Day. I don't watch Match of the okay. Day when we lose. Well, well Lineker, Lineker got involved in some punditry, which he rarely does, but it was insightful punditry and he, Ian Wright did a good job as well because they were mm. talking about positions Batshuayi should have been in because it wasn't that bad of a performance, but then it was just because they didn't have any end product. You know, like the, the ball, the delivery from um, Azpilicueta and in the first half for a certain ball and um, Alonso are actually really good balls into the box. And it's where you would see Morata. You know, you'd see him running across the defender, getting in that position, or even Diego Costa last season. And he just wasn't doing it. He was five yards. It, it looked like Torres, five yards behind the play, and he just wasn't getting in the box enough. You know, what, what do you do? Thought, what do you do yeah. about you know Batshuayi? Is it's difficult because he's had his confidence knocked, and he's what, been for that one game. That's no, since he joined Chelsea. You know. But, it, you know, when, when Costa was injured and when Morata's injured, he's chosen not to even play his second-string striker. I can see his confidence been yeah. knocked. And you see it that he's feeling the pressure of he knows he's got to go out and do something and maybe he's playing, you know, maybe, um, you know, he's a rabbit in headlights almost. He's just freezing when he comes into the game. He's expecting to, he's expected to do something. He's feeling the, the pressure of, you know, Morata's shadow now being cast over him. We're two and a half hours before the Roma game as we speak at the moment. 
do we play Batshuayi tonight? No, you play Morata. Even if he's seventy five percent fit, you play him because well, for one, you've got to win the game, but two, you win the game, and then suddenly that eases the pressure come November December time when we've got Roma in uh, Italy. We've got to travel to. Um, so you play Batshuayi against Everton in the League Cup. No, I play Morata. So you play Morata, Morata, Morata. Yeah, I'd, I'd keep playing fought, him. until he's because fall off. The, the, what, what I was going to say is just going because he's to not about, fit. No, he's not. But I think that it was telling the quote from Conte yesterday in the press conference when he said, um, "I'm not stupid. I wouldn't risk him against Palace, but now I know he's fit, so I will." You know, so he's, he's going to play. Okay, most certainly going to play. And I just think that how, how do you solve a problem like him? I just think that thirty-two million pound for a player that is no more advanced than Dom Solanke or Tammy Abraham. Well, a lot of play, a lot of people are talking about Tammy and saying, mm. oh, look, he scored a brace on Saturday. Um, oh, he's, he's got so much more to do, but I just think yeah. that in terms of do where Batshuayi is... I mean, look, I don't even think we can recall him. He's probably on a one-year deal, you know. Um, if we could recall him in January, would you recall him or no. would you let him have that year at Swansea yeah, develop into a proper... I agree. I think it's short-sighted to bring yeah. him back. And I think, you know, that I think unfortunately is, you know, the sort of default response from some of our fans is, oh, let's bring Tammy back because he scores goals. I actually think that letting him spend a year at I Swansea agree. playing every game... He needs that game up. time. He needs that game he time. Does. We'll bring him back when he's ready to come back. Not, yeah. not you know... And what we're seeing from Tammy as well is something that Patrick Bamford didn't have the the luxury of doing is that he scored goals in the championship and then he got his loan to Palace and didn't play whereas Tammy's done the same at Bristol City he's gone to Swansea it was you know a godsend for him that Lorente went because now he's one of the main strikers with Bonnie but he's scoring goals and he's playing under a manager who believes in young players and he's he's at the right club at the right time I think I saw Chris Sutton this week said that we lost the league this year in our transfer season you know we didn't buy enough we are thin on the ground, and I, I you know, I, we've all moaned about our transfer dealings this this wind this summer, but it 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 already seems to be coming true. Well, can I just start, we'll come to it, but I yeah. think that Sutton's wrong, and I've got yeah. I mean, I know you've it. got well, this is going to be kind of more the second half of this yeah. particular podcast, but I just want to finish up the um, sure. the, the Crystal Palace game, and and because Gary's here, let's do Cahill watch. Um, you know, because obviously, you know, Gary is is uh, is one of you know sort of Gary's biggest defenders and supporters. As am I. Um, how do you think he did on Saturday? Well, he got embarrassed by Zaha in the first couple of minutes, where he was trying to defend of his head. But I think what happened there is that, and this isn't making excuses for him. I think that he got exposed defensively because David Luiz is out of position. Azpilicueta got beat. The ball came over, and he was one on one with Zaha. And I think that any defender that's caught flat footed against him is going to you know, be, be embarrassed to a point. I think he did okay. I think defensively they all did okay. I just thought that... Did was, you? I didn't think Louise had a particular... Well, I, think, I, I think what was in front of them was the problem. Mm. You know, okay. like the way for the yeah. second goal, the way William loses that ball and he turns and looks at the ref and wants a free kick. And yeah. it's just, I think Luis and Azpilicueta both had worse games than Cahill. Mm. I think Cahill was the strongest of the three. Yeah. I, I, think, I, I think agree with that. Defensively, but what was happening is that they were losing the ball, like Aspilicueta, and he's done it a few times this season where he loses the ball on the halfway line and suddenly they get turned. It happened against Spurs a couple of times and they get turned and then on the back foot and any defender, whether you're Maldini, John Terry or Gary Cahill, you're going to be exposed. Do you think that this kind of overplaying, because that's what it is, it is overplaying, is born out of um, a desire to take responsibility and move things forward and actually they should trust each other a little bit more and move the ball around because I'm seeing Bakayoko getting caught in possession I'm seeing Luis getting caught in position he's almost playing like old Luis at the moment last three or four mm. games yeah. I, I, you know he's playing he reckless, recklessly yeah. and you know with a, with, a, with a certain you know sort of lack of awareness around him which is concerning 
And Willian, I think, is another player who, you know, is overplaying. You he's, know, he's, got he's got always head a, down. There's he's always been an down. issue with Willian for me on his final product. There's always been an issue. Yeah, with always him. in that final third. But, he you know. He started the season so well when he's, Hazard wasn't there. And as soon as Hazard's back, it's like the, when, they're, when they're both in the same team, he doesn't shine. He's, yeah. he's, he's he seems to be raking, making the wrong decisions yeah. in terms of passing and shooting. Mm. But anyway, look, I don't, I don't want to, you know, sort of harp on about this because people don't, don't t- tune in to get depressed necessarily. I mean, you know, we're now fourth. Uh, nine points behind leaders Man City um, same points as Arsenal which generally is a, a benchmark <laughs> of, a benchmark of disaster right. well, obviously, just, we're, just, and we're behind you know, Watford who we play on Saturday yeah. I, I, know, I, know we, I know we won the title last season we're coming to this season as, as champions and all the rest of it but it's not a disaster if Chelsea don't win the league this no. year. It's not a disaster. I think, no, no, I think if you'd have said to me at the beginning of the season, what would you take? I'd say Champions League qualification. Yeah. I would be happy with that this season. But then there's a, and there's a reason why I say that, which again, well, I'm trying to tee it up, but I'll, I will come to that. But I just think that last season winning the title was just a complete freak. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I was quite I think happy. If we accept it for that. I was quite happy to have a new manager to reorganise things. My my personal disaster, which we'll probably come to, is the fact that I don't think the club have backed the manager well enough, mm. and that's but that that's what I think the disaster is. Well, look, Chelsea have lost consecutive Premier League games under Antonio Conte for just the second time. You know, we've got an opportunity tonight, and we've got an opportunity on Saturday. You know, to turn that round, and of course, then what will happen is everybody will turn around and say, "Well, we're going to win the league." Yeah. Then you know, well, uh, Man City look very strong. Man United look very strong. I think that third place is still up for up for grabs. I, I'm not convinced. The seconds up for grabs. Yeah, I, I, I personally, you know. Uh, that would be a lovely thing to attain I, I'm finishing top four for me would be absolutely fine yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything below that I think we've got to ask questions because I certainly think we have the team to do it now Gary you have been preparing uh, to educate us about these transfer windows it's a bee in your bonnet and we've been discussing it over the last couple of days kick us off give us some context about what you want to talk about well, it's, it's not necessarily an education but um, the point and Chris Sutton you know what you're saying there about him talking about the you know the transfers and all the rest of it, and I, you just look across social media, and for the people that talk sense, you know, ignoring the noise, there, there is this desire to pinpoint a problem, you know, and, and to try to find what the answer is by one solution. And I think that it runs a lot deeper than that. And I don't think it's about you know that we've got a bad manager or we've got bad players. I just think that it's this prolonged period of transition Chelsea have been in, where we went through this period of we sort of got embarrassed about what we were as a club. And, you know, the, the team that Jose built with Ranieri's assistance in 2004, that served Chelsea right through to 2011 when AVB came in. And then AVB comes in and he starts talking about this five-year plan that he had. And that five-year plan, if he had still been at Chelsea, would be coming to fruition now. You know, about what he wanted to do, that he wanted to play this more, you know, um, I use it in a in the loosest sense, as a lazy term, but this ticky-tacky style that, you know, everyone had got fascinated with. And you saw Chelsea starting to sign more diminutive type of players, you know, Mata, Hazard, Oscar to a degree. You know, they, they were signing, and you, know, and you look at the players that were coming through, De Bruyne, you know, Musonda now. You know, th- these are players that are a product of what Chelsea were trying to do back in 2011-12. And then what happened is it, you know, obviously failed massively under AVB because I think they tried to rush it through. I, I, you know, at the time I believed in what he was trying to do and I think there was wisdom behind it. Um, but then the problem was is that he was trying to do it with square pegs and round holes. He was trying to play this high defensive line with John Terry, who was getting embarrassed by Van Persie, you know. And um, you know, as we saw in that five three mm-hmm. um, against Arsenal in October uh, 2011 that year, he was trying to play it with Lampard in the middle and Drogba up front. And they 
it was a problem because he had these big characters and these legends at the club, but, and he couldn't move them on quick enough. And he wanted to do that. And the, the club knew politically that it was a bad thing to let those guys go. And then it sort of became a case of those guys won. You know, okay. they, they, they won the battle. They won the war. And the war was, it's either him or us. And he went. Okay. And so so, so what's, why have you got to be in your bonnet about it? So, so what's happened is Chelsea have been making these mistakes year on year where they sack man. You know, and this is a point I've made about the youth team as well is that, you know, everyone wants Conte to start bringing through these young players. And they, they wanted Jose to do it. They wanted AVB to do it. They wanted Rafa to do it. They wanted Ancelotti to do it. They wanted Scolari to do it. You know, they wanted Avram Grant to do it. They're not around long enough to do it. You know, they're there for two or three years. And to have that sustained success with young players and giving them an opportunity, understanding how they play and all the rest of it. And, and a case in point is Loftus-Cheek in that he came through playing under Joe Edwards and Dermot Drummy and uh, Jody Morris, latter, you know, in his, in his youth career and um, AD Vivash. And they played him as a holding midfielder or a number eight in that sense, a guy who bursts from midfield. Suddenly Jose comes in, decides he's a number 10. Then Hiddink comes in to replace Jose, plays him as a number 10. Then Conte comes in, plays him as a makeshift striker. The kid's got no chance. And there isn't that structure at the club where we're, someone... Where are Palace playing him out of interest? They're playing him as that number eight. Right. Where he's... he's, he's box to box. Yeah. He's not the number 10. You know, and obviously, as we know what a number eight is, he's not in the same number eight as what Lampard was, but he's a little bit further forward. But he's... Because it's that explosive power that he's got to really burst past players in, into position. And you see, he did it against City when Has he, he got scored. stamina to do that? I think over time he will. Because that was always the yeah, question yeah, mark. Yeah, that was always the question mark. But yeah. I think that he can do it for 60 minutes, 65 minutes, and, and he's proved it that it wasn't, excuse me, it wasn't difficult to be the best player in that Palace side anyway when they were, when they were struggling, which, which they still are to a mm-hmm. point. But he, he was doing it. And um, you know, he got voted their player of the month for August and September, I think. Um, but to, to go on to the point I'm making is that um, on the back of us uh, losing on Saturday, there was a, a comparison... Um, that a guy I know called um, Alex McGovern, who works for Bleacher Report, he put out a tweet. You know, he, in, you know, he wasn't single player blaming or anything like that. He's not a nasty guy in that way. And he was doing it in a, a sense of just trying to make a point of... And it, 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 it makes sense because he was comparing... He, he just put a picture up of the 2008 Champions League final team, you know, the, the team lineup, And it makes sense because it's 10 years... At the end of this season, it'll be 10 years that mm-hmm. we got to our first Champions League final. And I just looked at that team, and the point he was making is that, you know, just, just reading out the lineup from that day, it was Czech, Ashley Cole, John Terry, Carvalho, Essien, Balak, Makaleli, Lampard, Maluda, Joe Cole, and Drogba starting that game. This in- is Moscow, yeah? Yeah, in Manchester Moscow, United, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely incredible team. And, you know, and you look at the, the national captains in that team Czech was, John Terry was, Balak was, um, Drogba was. So you've got four captains in that team. And then, well, you could say five with um, Lampard as well. And you. You look at it and you think, okay, that is impressive. But then I just thought, at the same time, I think it, talking about short-sightedness earlier, I think it's, it's too short-sighted to compare this team now with that team then because that team there was hitting its peak and that team there had been together for four and years. The, and the game has changed in 10 years. Yeah, Even no, of course styles it Styles and formations have changed. The, the need from the players is different to what it was then. Yeah, I mean, and, and the point was that, that Alex... That, what you're saying is that's an evo- that was an evolved team. Yeah, and, and the time. point Alex was making yeah. is, wow, look at this team, the big names that are in this team and the stars that are in this team. And, um, but then, and he was basically saying that the slight on this Chelsea side now was like, well, what have we done? We've, we've made these bad signings and all the rest of it. But then you look at the team now and this, this is the comparison, was that 
Okay, so here are some stats on that team from 2008 that lined up against United in the um, in the Champions League final. Their average age was 29.7. Now that was for the 18 man squad, so they were players right in their prime. You know, on on average, um, their combined seasons at the club was 68.5, um, and it was an average of uh, four seasons, close to four seasons at being at Chelsea, which sort of plays into that idea that it was a squad that was signed a lot by you know Jose and, and Ranieri. And, you know, they'd all developed together as a squad. And um, also as well, people on Twitter will call me, you know, they'll say I'm xenophobic because I talk about an English backbone and all the rest of it. But there are no, four, English, four Englishmen in that team. And I think that it's not about being Englishman. I think you go to Spain and you want a Spanish backbone. You go to Italy, you want the same. You go to I France, agree. you want the same. 100%. Um, so you, you, can, you can pair that with this Chelsea side now and... Uh, so looking at the team on, on Saturday, you've got Courtois, uh, Alonso, Cahill, Aspilicueta, Louise, um, Moses, and then Fabregas, uh, Bakayoko, uh, Batshuayi, Willian and Hazard. Um, so their average age is 26.3. So on average, they're three and a half years younger than the team from uh, 10 years ago, you know, what, or what that squad was. Mm-hmm. Um, their combined seasons at the club are 58.5. So they've got... 10 years combined less experience of being Chelsea players regardless where they're playing elsewhere um, and there's only one Englishman in Gary Cahill well Moses is well I, I, I did put Moses on there um, as loosely but and then what you had on the bench well Moses was, plays for Nigeria but he is English yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like okay so you could say like, yeah two Englishmen but right. you know if you're looking at just nationality they play for like you know Cahill being the only England player yeah. and then you've got Kyle Scott who represents America but is English as well with, with his heritage yeah. uh, but he's on the bench he's a 19 year old who's never played for Chelsea I think but then what you look at as well is that, that those stats so to me what that shows is that you've got a squad that was at its, when Chelsea were at their peak powers and they were going toe to toe in Europe with the best teams you know beating the likes of Barcelona and uh, Bayern Munich and um, you know Liverpool in that semi-final that year uh, you know it, it was a side that was built to win. Whereas I think now what's happening is that we're at the back end of this, um, the back end of this prolonged transition that Chelsea have had. And I just think that if you look at it, that if people are patient and if Chelsea are patient, this team just let it grow together because, you know, this is what I'm saying about the, the continuity of 68 and a half seasons together with this team of being at Chelsea. And then, um, you know, also as well, just looking at the ages is that um, there were, um, in terms of players over t- 26 or over in that team, you had Czech, Ashley Cole, John Terry, Carvalho, Balak, uh, Makaleli, Maluda, Lampard, Cole and Drogba. In that starting 11, the only player who wasn't over 26 was Michael Essien. Again, a team built for winning, a team of experience. And you compare that with, um, with the, the team on Saturday, the players who are 26 and over are Alonso, Cahill, Aspilicueta, David Luiz, Fabregas, Hazard, Moses, and William. So what you had is key players, really, especially that's why he's only just turned 24, where you've got this inexperience and you can see that in the way they're playing. And you look at the benches, you know, um, there was Christensen, Musonda, and Kyle Scott, who were three youth team players who have got, you know, apart from Christensen, he's played those two years in the Bundesliga, but very minimal experience between them. Um, you know, and you just look at it and you think, you know, you compare that bench to what Chelsea had in, in 2008. Anelka, Shevchenko, Kalou, Mikel, Alex, Belletti and Kudicini, That It wasn't perhaps you know, a bench you'd look at and think, you know, they're really going to you know, trouble teams. But it was, a te- it was a bench full of experience. Yeah. And I think that what you're seeing at the moment at Chelsea is that the mistakes that are happening on the pitch, 
you know, in terms of losing to Burnley the way they did, you know, losing to City, which was naive, which you've spoken about, losing to Palace, which was disappointing. And, you know, like we said earlier, it wasn't a, a very Chelsea-like performance. But I think what you're seeing there is the teething problems of a team coming together. And I think that the fact they're champions of England right now, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, they were well worthy of that title last year. But I think that sort of papers over the cracks that Chelsea have got within the squad. But also I think what it does is that it gives a false impression of what they are and where they should be. And, you know, obviously the, the, the performance against Atletico, you know, you see it and you think, wow, this is how good that team can be. But then the inconsistency of that performance against Atletico and then the last two on the back of that have been, you know, so dire that you just think there is a problem of teams that are trying to find that consistency together. Brilliant. You- let, let me, let me, um, we're going to pick this up. Let's just quickly go for a, a quick break uh, from our sponsors and then we will come back and pick that up. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. So, Gary, you've made a very eloquent case there for, um, you know, for, for understanding at least uh, some of the issues that the team has had and, and, and trying to answer some of the questions around the transfer market. Do you think in the modern game that, A, Conte will stick around long enough to be able to implement this plan and bring these players through and help these players evolve? Because kind of what you're saying is we're a year or two away from this yeah. team to being to being kind of almost at, at their peak. Do you think we're going to be able to keep this team together for that period to realise that like we did in 2010? Well, I, I think they can keep the players together, but obviously the coach is another question altogether. And the, the rumours about him potentially going next summer are you know, a bit disconcerting because you you look at it and you think, wow, you know, it's a point I've made so many times. Chelsea landed on their feet getting him because he's the right manager at the right time to really, you know, um, speed up what's going on at Chelsea right now. And this is why I don't get too heavy on the criticism of, of Emanalo and the way Chelsea tried to run the club because they do make mistakes. You know, you talk about Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, it was a mistake allowing him to leave. But at the time it wasn't. But, you know, you look at him now, absolutely incredible footballer and you'd love him to be in that Chelsea side. But, I think at the same time that by and large they get more things right and they get wrong and you start looking at this team and, and you know and this is the point I was going to say about um, Chris Sutton that I think it does have value what he's saying but equally at the same time is that you know because we get lost in this world of £200 million transfers now and you know and Chelsea uh, Chelsea caused it you know Abramovich coming in 2003 the problems in the transfer market now you can almost certainly put a finger on it and say where it started and you can say yeah. it was Chelsea and Chelsea dictated the transfer market for much too long and other clubs have got money and the excitement's come on the back of it um, but then you start looking at this Chelsea side as well and you think you know because people are saying oh but we don't buy stars anymore and we're not doing this we're not doing that so the case in point is the that 2008 Champions League final team again Petr Cech wasn't a star when he joined Chelsea. John Terry wasn't a star when he was coming through at Chelsea. SCN wasn't a star. McAuley, who came from Real Madrid, but the fact they were allowing him to go because he didn't... Oh, SCN, I think I'd take issue with. SCN was the hottest player in Europe at that point. But I think he was an up-and-coming player. That's yeah. the point. But he was he wasn't, hot as hell, he, though. But yeah, he was, but he wasn't... a. You know, established. Fully, he wasn't yeah, established. Exactly. And, okay. and McAuley is that McAuley only really got the respect in his career that he deserved when he came to Chelsea and it worked so well because he didn't really fit into that Galacticos ideal at Real Madrid. And then you had Maluda, wasn't really a star. Lampard, Chelsea signed him or derided for paying 11 yeah, million for him. Yeah, yeah. Became the, the, the best bit of business Chelsea have ever done, in my opinion. And, yeah. and uh, just to talk about Lampard very quickly is that when we signed him, he scored like three goals in his first season. Yeah, I he thought he was bang average. Yeah, yeah he, fought, he scored seven goals in his second season. It was only under Jose that he became, in my view, the best player I've, I've ever seen at Stamford Bridge. I mean, but the problem is, Conte did, he did 
highlight some holes in the squad. And, and the club didn't back him. And that's, you know, he quite obviously doesn't fancy Batshuayi. And, it, you know, and when you're on three, four campaigns, it's quite, it's quite you know, Murat is going to get injured or, or you know, or, or yellow carded or red carded at some point. You know, we are going to, we're going to need games without him. And we, you know, we, we didn't plug that hole. Yeah, sure. That's what, say, that's what I mean are about... Are you talking specifically about Lorente? Is that the one that really well, rankles? Well, he actually did. You know what? Well, what, Lorente, they the, said, well, they only offered five million for him and they wouldn't go any higher. And but at, at the same came. time as well, as you look at it, and it's, they're trying to play the long game. They're not trying to get this quick fix. Of They don't want to pay five, well, but more we'll, than five million for a 32-year-old But you striker. have to keep the manager happy as well. Because yeah, sure, if the manager sure. feels undermined, we're not going to have him. And then we're going we're gonna to be building blocks again with a new manager. No, I, another... I, I, I understand, but this is why I think that Chelsea are wise in the sense that they have this structure that managers slot into it and they come in and out. But then at the same time, it, it sort of contradicts the point I made earlier is that managers coming and going all the time. It stops development in, certain, yeah. in certain areas. I mean, but one thing I would say, I do think most of the players we bought in the summer were really good. But, but so really, the point, really the point I was going to go on to is just, so Joe Cole wasn't a, a star when Chelsea, he was an up-and-coming star, but he wasn't a star when Chelsea signed him. Drogba wasn't Drogba when Chelsea signed him. And just for the, the point on people when they reminisce and you know, they get romantic doe eyes about Drogba is that he cost Chelsea that final. You know, he, he was petulant. Mm. He slapped Vidic. And had he not slapped Vidic in the 116th minute in that final, it wouldn't have been John Terry taking that fifth penalty. It would have been Drogba. Mm. His Champions League moment came four years too late. Well, I think you, you put know, a little bit of blame at Anelka as well for being yeah, a but, but, missing but, his penalty. But the thing is, is that... I wasn't warmed an, an, up. An, 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 but Anelka missed the penalty on the back of JT missing his. You know, so you look and you think, would Drogba have missed? But, but regardless... So then yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right about that. I mean, again, I'd say about Drogba, the hottest player in Europe at that point. No, he wasn't. He not, was. Not in 2004 he had, when Chelsea well, signed him. I think that he'd had an amazing Champions League campaign with Marseille and come to an awful lot of people's attention, destroyed Newcastle, and, you know, and people were looking at him going, this guy could be... But the he next. wasn't... He wasn't... Yeah, he was, he, he, was, he was hot property, but he wasn't he, he a He was star. a player... He wasn't an established star. No, you're right. He wasn't an established he, he, star. He was a player no, like no. Belotti now, where people looking and thinking, actually, this guy could do something. He's but then but you look and you think, but he's not Aubameyang. He's not, you know... Mm. Um, Icardi. He's yeah. not Kane. Yeah, exactly. He's not one of the... He was a, a level below. But yeah, people yeah. are moaning we're not signing Aubameyang, you know. So, but then you look at... So, th- there was really only in that team, Ashley Cole, Carvalho and Balak in that starting eleven that were really bona fide, established names when Chelsea signed them. And you look at his Chelsea side now... And really, David Luiz is sort of a grey area because I think, well, he wasn't really a star in 2011 when we signed him, but the David Luiz we signed now was only signed a year ago. So you put him in as a bona fide star when Chelsea signed him. Fabregas and Hazard as well because he was incredible. But outside of that, you've got players, like even Courtois, Chelsea signed him as a young player and you know, brought him through via Atletico on loan. But you know, Chelsea are trying to build something in a way they did before. And mm. I think it's going to take time, but I think people, if people just relax, they calm down a little bit and they see it. That, that, that's why there's a more tongue in cheek tweet I put out just to, you know, um, I tweeted and then I ran, you know, thought, I thought I'd, I'd watch the chaos take place, you know, while I'm uh, sending this tweet out about imagine Chelsea in the eighties and nineties with social media. Well, but, you're talking also about another, another two years. I mean, some of those players that are in those starting lineup now, you look at their ages, Luis is 30, Fabregas is 30, Williams, I think 29. Um, you know, have you got two years to build with these players? But that, that's the important thing is that no, you might not with them, but then you look at that bench on Saturday. Pedro, 30. For, for David Luiz, think Andreas Christensen. Yep. For William, think Charlie Musonda. You know, for Fabregas, Okay, he's pushing it to say, think Carl Scott. But at the same time, there's... Danny Drinkwater. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but the, the point is, is that you see there's, there is a progression there where you want to, you know, it's naive. And I've been the biggest advocate of 
youth team players at Chelsea for a very long time. And I was pushing it. In the end, I've stopped pushing it because I'm like a broken record. And, you know, I'm just saying the same thing again and again and again. And, you know, people want, people want us to push young players into this side, which is, which is all well and good. But the reality of it is so much different. And, yeah. you know, talking about being an advocate of it, you know, I started the conversation with Jose two years ago when Chelsea lost. Uh, I think it was the Southampton going into the international break. And the next game after that was uh, in, in October. It was against Villa. And I just said to Jose then, is it about time you started playing these young players like Loftus-Cheek? And he said, yeah, Loftus-Cheek will play and all the rest of it. He came in against Villa who were, you know, bottom of the table, were going down. Everyone could see it. Um, and he played him as a number 10. He played him for 45 minutes and then he dropped him for six weeks. And we didn't see him again until a nil-nil draw in the 89th minute against Spurs in December. Um, so I've, I've been pushing this agenda about young players, but doing it with the idea of that, you know, there needs to be squad positions for them. Yeah. And if Chelsea are going out spending 80 million on an attacking mid, you know, trying to sign Bale for 80, 90 million from Madrid. Yeah, it's great right now. But how long can you sustain spending this money? Well, I think, Whereas- I think we are a bit excited about Christensen, aren't we? We are excited about um, Bakayoko. We're excited about Rudiger. He's only 24. Yeah. We're, we're excited about Charlie Masonda. I mean, it's more this season than it has been for a long time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think that you're seeing a gradual progression of it. But fans have just got to be patient, I think. And that, you know, th- this is a problem of, you know, they say, oh, but we haven't, and we haven't got all these stars at Chelsea. And it's like, but in 2004... Chelsea didn't have all those stars that they became in 2008. Do you think it's all about stars? I mean, I've never felt the, the need to sign superstars. I've, you know, I, I, I feel like it is. I think, I think we've, identi- we've always been quite good at identifying future stars as a club. We always have That's been. where we've always, we always been, been But there still are, you know, gaps, in, gaps on the board that need to be filled and, and weren't filled and, and were highlighted. And I, think, I think what's interesting is that Fans fit, and this is what I was saying about the transfer market is that, you know, don't get me wrong, Chelsea made mistakes. They shouldn't be signing Zappa Costa and Danny Drinkwater on transfer deadline day. They shouldn't have been doing that. They should have, they, they knew they wanted Drinkwater early on in the summer. They should have gone for him and they should have done his rehabilitation at Chelsea. And had he done that, he would have probably been playing now. Mm. You know, so they have made mistakes, but at the same time, I think that it's too simple when people get upset. And I, I can understand why they're upset because they feel we're being left behind. But it's like, I don't think yeah. we are. You, you look I, at what's I, coming. I, th- I think it's the striker position that's starting to, to look like the biggest mistake. Yeah. You know, Murata, who'd not played more than 18 games a season for the last three seasons. And that's why he doesn't fancy. You know, I mean that that to lead four fronts is is a lot. Yeah, I is. think I think look, this is going to run and run, and we'll keep coming back to it. I'm sure over the over the coming weeks and months. Um, but a good conversation. Um, and I would just say when we do try and sign superstars, whether they be Torres or Shevchenko, they haven't worked out <laughs> particularly well. So uh, let's move on. Just quickly talk about the youth and the ladies uh, before we talk about tonight's game. Uh, development squad lost three one to Aldershot on Friday. Now you talk about the development squad. That's one win in their last eight games. Something's not going particularly well uh, with the uh, with the development well, squad. The under 18s are doing well, though. Under 18s are eight games. Games without defeat since the start of the season. They beat Leicester City 3-2 away on Saturday. Uh, the under-19 European squad played today. Did you know if they won or not? I don't know. They played at lunch. The game time. was kicking off on BT Sport as I was leaving. All oh, so right. Okay. So I'm sorry, guys. Uh, you'll have to Google that one. Uh, under-19 European. They were playing Roma uh, at Cobham at the lunchtime. And the ladies uh, lost 2-1 to Bayern Munich in the Champions League last Wednesday, which made the score 2-2 on aggregate and saw Chelsea triumph on away goals. So they've drawn Swedish side Rosengard FC in the round of 16. And Gary tells me that they, uh, the, the under-19s under- European squad lost yeah. 2-0 to Roma. So that's not good. 
No. Is it Home and Away? I can't remember. Yeah, because it's basically the same group stage right, as what okay. we have, and then so beyond that, it's whoever goes through. So it ain't over till it's over. Yeah. Let's talk about Roma, because as we've said all the way through, we are recording it on Wednesday evening, a couple of hours before the Roma game. Chelsea haven't won three in a row in the group stages since 2010-11. Roma dropped points at the weekend against Serie A leaders Napoli. They lost 1-0 at home. A uh, few injuries. Kante still out. Moses still out with hamstring injuries. Mata is apparently fit again. Maybe Zappa Costa to start. What do we think? Yeah, I think Roma have got their own injury concerns as well. But well, Roma injury, Kevin Strootman and Stephen Elsherow, both available after missing the weekend defeat against Napoli, although whether they'll be thrown back into the starting eleven remains to be seen. Costas Malolas uh, was forced off early in the second That's half of that match and has failed to recover in time. And his absence alongside Emerson, Patrick Schick and Rick Karsdorp. I think that Roma are on a bad side, but regardless of what I've been saying about transitions and, and all the rest of it and saying, you know, look further beyond what's happening here in the here and now, Chelsea should be beating Roma. They At home, they should be beating them. They should be taking control of that group. And yeah, I, I can't, I, on the surface of it, I can't see Roma troubling Chelsea in the way that Atletico will when they come here. But, you know, it's, it's the Champions League, isn't it? And on the back of Palace, you, I think you'd be naive to go into this game expecting Chelsea to completely turn them over and do what Liverpool did to Marable. Do you think um, Chelsea were going there with a sense of mission tonight? I think we're going to. I think it's going to be a complete revitalisation tonight. Good. I think it's going to be. I, I think maybe Palace was the. And maybe they took it too easy. Maybe they just thought it was a done and dusted thing. Maybe the mind was on tonight. But I have a feeling tonight's going to be a bloody good game. Let's well, hope so. Interestingly, last time we lost back-to-back games under Conte, we won 13 in a row. So. Well, there you go. Let's hope so. Uh, Watford at home on Saturday. Watford currently two points above us in fourth after a great start yeah, to the season. Who'd have thought that would be a, a fourth place? Listen, this is going to be no, this is going to be no pushover either, is it? No, it's not. And it's, it's interesting because um, with all this talk of Conte, there's the, um, the links with Thomas Tuchel coming through again. And um, my friend Ed... I think you've met him. He he was saying that he would like if if Conte does go, he'd like to see Marco Silva take over. Mm, interesting. And I think he's done ex. What, the way you see Watford playing football now, you know he's do. You know you think they had um, uh, Flores there, Kika Sanchez Flores there, and they had um, Mazzari last year. And you look at what he's doing with Vert. Okay, they've had a lot of turnover, but with a similar squad and what he's getting out of them and the football they're playing and he, even and he, played to, well at, he was doing well at Hull wasn't he yeah and, but even down to talent spotting you know, Richarlison yeah. well, what, 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 what he's doing and, yeah amazing, you know, amazing. He's, he's doing a great job there I don't and fancy they're, him they're up against big, Zappa Costa on Saturday but they're going to be a big threat on, yeah. on Saturday definitely and it's one of those dodgy lunchtime kickoffs as well it is uh, so let's do some predictions uh, Roma tonight first we start with you Sebastian 2-0 Two nil, nice. I was just two. Uh, you three can say nil. Two, you can say no, two Kerry <laughs> will get upset. No, don't worry about three Kerry. Nil. Three it's, nil. It's not Kerry rules. Kerry, the hurricane one. levy will get upset. <laughs> Ophelia. So you're going to go three nil. Okay, I'll go three. Well, I'm going to go two nil as well. All right. Yeah. Up yours, Kerry. Um, <laughs> and uh, Watford. One one. Ooh, one one. That's depressing. Two one to Chelsea. I'm going to be confident, say 3-1 Chelsea. I think you're right. I think this is the tipping point into a period of revitalisation. <laughs> so. Where we break away from Arsenal. Um, and then we'll be back next Tuesday when we'll preview the um, the Everton game uh, in midweek as well. So a bunch of games coming up on top of each other. Thanks so much to uh, Gary Hayes. Thank you. And to Sebastian Thank you. Uh, Fontaine. Seb Fontaine. Uh, I'm Andy Saunders. Thanks very much for joining us and we'll see you next week. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.com. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrokes.
If you're a large organization involved in managing, purchasing, or making decisions on software licenses, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it, and whether you purchase the right number of software licenses to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM, and others, and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.